three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today I'm so excited. We have a guest all the way from Paris, Sabrina Marzaro. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, so glad you could make it. So glad we could get this to work. Why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to the audience, tell them a little bit about who you are, your name, age, where you live, what you're doing, a little bit about you. Awesome. So my name, as you mentioned, is Sabrina Marzaro. I'm 29 years old, and I am the president and founder of Graphite and Inc., which is a branding, copywriting, and translations company based here in Paris as well as a professor of creative strategies at New York's FIT and the author of Swiping for Prince Charming, which is an illustrated tale of a woman's search for love in Paris. I love that. We're going to dive in, I think, to each of those a little bit more, get some background, give some insight. But first and foremost, I want to talk a little bit about you. So did you go to college? What's your story on that end? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up mostly uh, in the States, first California, then Connecticut. I spent my last year of high school studying in the south of France, so specialized high school there. And then I uh, went to Washington, D.C. for my studies at GW, so the George Washington University, studied marketing and art history. I spent my third year abroad in Paris, and the moment I graduated, I moved back to Paris. And then I've been spending the last few years between Paris and New York. So sorry, it's a little you, messy. Huh? <laughs> no, you are all over the place. That makes for a very well-rounded person. So uh, major props to you. Yeah. As far as your career path, how did you end up here? Have you always wanted to own your own creative industry, be a professor, or did you sort of just like stumble upon this? And like, at what point did you say, you know what, I think this is something I want to do? Mm, that's a good question, because I know that I always had a very entrepreneurial spirit. However, mm-hmm. I really, I've always been so passionate about fashion. And I thought that I was going to, I mean, as insanely ambitious as this is, climb the corporate ladder and become the global CEO of Chanel. That was my set dream. <laughs> and um, I, so I moved to Paris to start working in fashion as a product manager for a fine leather goods company. And it was when I decided for personal reasons to move to the south of France that I thought, well, I'm doing translations on the side. Why don't I just develop this the time it takes me to find another full-time job? And so I was pitching all these different agencies and brands, my translation services, and this company uh, tested my work and they loved how I wrote. But they said, we don't need a translator. We need an English-speaking copywriter to craft all these you know, ad campaigns for Guerlain, Clarence, etc. Would you be able to do that? And I said, yeah. So that was over five years ago now. And so I've really developed that with my client base for, again, developing ad campaigns, but also doing consulting for brand positioning. Do you find it's hard to sort of juggle between Paris and New York? Like, where do you predominantly find most of your work? Is it mainly in Paris or is it in America? Like, where is the base of that coming from? So I have always just in my heart felt like Paris was home. So I wanted my base to be here. But I keep having these entrepreneurial ventures that keep pulling me back to New York. (laughs) So (laughs) like this, I spent all of last year actually living there to be at FIT. And before that, I'd spent a year, every three weeks, I'd be going back and forth because I was also opening a restaurant on the Upper East Side there. And so it's just like most of my copywriting branding work is 
around Europe. I have clients, you know, Italy, the UK, Spain, uh, Germany, a lot in France, clearly, etc. But yeah, I keep having projects that keep drawing me back to New York as well. I mean, New York's not a bad place to be drawn back to, I guess. You're like torn between the two best cities. But let's talk a little bit more about Graphite and Ink specifically. I know you mentioned a little bit about how the idea for Graphite and Ink got started. But how did you physically get this going? Like, what did it take to actually put the pen to paper to make this happen? Do you have people working under you? Are you just like a one-man band? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it started out just me independently doing this um, just freelance for different agencies and brands. But it really started because I had a few companies that I was doing translations for independently in Italy. And then also my first agency in France that hired me to be doing all the copywriting stuff. And since then, it's just been a lot of either through cold calling or connections that I've made over the years that people have called upon me to come and work with them. But in essence, now, though, I actually I work with others as well. I have I have translators that work for me for going from English into French because I only translate from French and Italian into English because I think it's important Mm -hmm. to really master the language. And then I have uh, someone that does graphic design stuff for me, etc. So, yeah, it's been nice to be able to collaborate with people whose quality, uh, whose work I really value and as personalities, people that also inspire me, you know? Yeah, definitely. I always talk about on here, like the people you work with make a huge difference in your day to day. So making sure you're tapping into the right resources and like drawing inspiration from the right places helps you go so much further. So I totally agree with that statement. Have you ever wavered in like wanting to join a larger established creative agency or I know you mentioned you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. So like, this is something you've set in stone. This is what you want to do forever. I prefer not to assume anything is for forever because I've realized (laughs) that realistically, every time I think I've planned set in stone, something comes up and that changes. But I have been drawn by the idea of working for uh, specifically one main company full time, but I'm sort of torn because I really value my freedom and just psychologically knowing that like I can choose the clients I want to work with. I can choose my hours, my everything. So yeah, if an opportunity presented itself that was truly, I could not resist, then I would, I would give that a go. But otherwise I'm really happy with my lifestyle now. Right. And I think that's a lot of people. It's like, obviously, if something bigger and better came along, you're not going to miss that opportunity. But for now, everything is fine and dandy. So why fix something that's not broke? Exactly. And then really, just to give the listeners some perspective, what does your day to day look like? Are you sitting at a computer sending emails, cold calling? Or are you doing more of that creative work with established clients? Let's give them the feel for what you do. Well, especially the last several months, it's been a little bit <laughs> weird. But <laughs> and so it's creating new rituals given like that we've been in lockdowns and whatnot. But in general, I like to use first thing in the morning, I find that I have most of my really creative energy that flows. Also, it's like, I think it's important even for anyone listening to try to take note of how their mental and emotional and physical state is throughout different moments of the day. Because as I said, for me, I sense that I had more of a creative flow first thing in the morning. So I harness that to be able to work on my most significant creative projects, working 
for, you know, the different ad campaigns and whatnot. And then in the afternoons is usually when I schedule my appointments so that I can be running around the city to meet with people or to be taking calls, um, you know, things like that. So more of the admin mm-hmm. stuff later in the day when I don't have necessarily that same form of energy. And that's another good call out. I think a lot of people don't realize, like, especially in this working from home world, the way you perceive your work is different at different times of day. Like personally, I think I work my hardest from like eight to 10 and then three to five. Mm -hmm. And that middle area is like where you really have to push yourself to work harder. And I think that varies for everyone. Some people are just not morning people or late afternoon people. They work harder in the middle of the day. So I think that's another great call out for people to take into consideration. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but for me, that's why I've also adapted at this point to I do my work first thing in the morning and that midday, that's when I really go and do my exercise. I love to run outside. And as a creative person, actually, because I have all the information in my head from that morning, it'll, it's subconsciously I'm working on it and it allows me to develop some of my best writing ideas while I'm running. Yeah, that's a really good idea too, because it's marinating in your head while you're running. And then it's like, that's when all that concepting can come to life. Exactly. What do you recommend for someone looking to start their own agency who thinks this is amazing work? What What do you think are like the first couple steps to getting started for someone? I would say that it's best to get experience within an agency, just to understand how it works. And really, if it's if you think that you could then branch out on your own and because on top of the actual task itself, you also have this entirely new skill set that you have to master, which is learning how to do sales because you're selling your services. And then you have to be constantly on the lookout for, for new clients, new opportunities. It requires, I find, a lot more discipline as well when you're on your own. And so these are things that you have to keep in mind. And so I think it's best if you can to try to perhaps start something as a side hustle and then see if you can develop that into your full-time project. Definitely. And I think the hardest part for a lot of people is just getting started. So if that's something you're interested in, like you mentioned, start that side hustle, make sure it doesn't feel like it's draining you. And then if it really is your passion, then you can pursue it. But I definitely think, especially because our audience is primarily early 20s, it's important to get that work experience, like you said. So like do internships and be in as many roles as you can, because although something looks pretty and pink on the outside, a lot of times it's a lot of work. Absolutely. And it's not just that pretty picture. And it's also when you have that pressure of like, it absolutely has to work because, you know, you need to be able to make a living off of it, you give yourself this intense pressure right from the get-go. And, you know, it's so much healthier if at least you know that you have the security of a full-time job first while you're just trying to explore the creative aspects and, and trying to set everything up and to get you going, you know? Totally. I think, like you said, the weight of having to pay yourself is a lot. So don't put that pressure on yourself until you're ready to take the plunge, basically. To switch gears a little bit, you're a professor at FIT. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about how you became a professor there? How is it? Obviously, we're in a virtual world these days. The way it came about, it was just like so unexpected, to be honest, because I never thought I was going to be a professor. Um, I actually, so as I mentioned, for a year, I was going back and forth uh, to New York City because I was opening this restaurant on the Upper East Side with my dad, um, Vigui Venezia. And so on one of my trips there, 
I happened to encounter this lovely woman who is actually a professor there. And she and I were speaking. And by the end of the conversation, she was like, I really think that you would be a phenomenal professor. She was like, send me your resume. I'll forward it on to my boss. And maybe you guys can speak and see if something comes of it. And so she did that. And soon after, I, after my rounds of interviews, I, I was offered the position. And I honestly, at first was like, gosh, this is the most incredible opportunity. But I don't know, should I should I take this? This is a big deal. And I was offered for that spring, but that was like three weeks before it was so supposed to start. So I decided to wait until the following fall, went there, spent a year teaching. And the last part of the second semester, as you mentioned, was all through Zoom. That mm -hmm. was a really interesting experience transitioning to this virtual platform. Are you creating your own coursework? What are you teaching? Like what is going into that on the back end? Yeah. So for this course, Creative Strategies, I had the overall just a syllabus of the themes that needed to be covered and nothing else. And so mm -hmm. I literally had to craft every single three hour lesson for each week. And that was just pulling on all of my different experiences. As I mentioned, I've worked aside from in the copywriting, but also in a lot of different fashion companies. And for six months, I was a long-term internship as a student at one of the big advertising agencies as well. So pulling from all of these different things to create this course in a way that would really resonate with the students by drawing on like subjects and brands that were fun for them. Do you feel like this is something you'll continue to do? Like, is it a passion point of yours? Or do you feel like now that you've done it in this virtual world, are you sort of like, I'm ready to move away from this and really focus in on other aspects of my business? It's a really good question because for me, what I really love in being a professor is the connection with the students because I feel like we mutually sort of enrich each other with our different perspectives and whatnot. So I loved being there every week and like speaking directly to the students and learning from them as well. And you lose that quite a bit online so I'm seeing about for next semester to move back to New York, but nothing is guaranteed and I'm still deciding what I'm going to do. But it's a good question. It's something I'm still reflecting on. What's it like having these students who are pretty close to your age? You're probably at the age of some of their older siblings. <laughs> How has that been? Do you have a hard time navigating that or does it just come natural? Um, so I will say first class of the semester is always funny. <laughs> <laughs> As arriving, uh, some of the students may, you know, assume that I'm a student until I walk in there and stand at the podium. It's nice because I'm someone that I will be cool, relaxed, like I want to have a good time as well. And, you know, we're there to mutually to go forward together, almost like a team. And I sort of feel like I'm just the captain of the ship and we're all, as I said, moving the same direction. But I am sort of like a tough love type. So, you know, you need to do your part of the bargain and I will give you your freedom and give you all the respect and everything. I think they sense that, they appreciate that because I am understanding, they see the effort I put into it and they enjoy it, but they know that they have to hold up their end as well. Do you find that most of your colleagues from a teaching perspective are a lot older than you or do you find that because FIT is pretty in tune with culture and everything happening that it's actually a younger teaching demographic? Um, I will say that I believe I might be the youngest of the professors and most of them are a bit older than me. That being said, what I think mm -hmm. is great is that about 75% of the professors are adjunct, which means that they're still actively working in their fields and so that they can draw on real life experiences. And it's not just all based on theory. That's actually a really cool statistic because I do think a lot of people 
are all all bark and no bite, right? Like they've never really had the experience that you want. So that's really interesting to hear. As yeah, well. it was for me too. When I was um, in college, I remember the professors that were actually still working, you could sense there was a difference and, and just was that much more enriching, I think. Definitely. And then changing pace to sort of your third venture, this illustrative story you wrote called Swiping for Prince Charming. Let's talk a little bit about that. First and foremost, let's tell the listeners, I know you briefly mentioned it in the beginning, but again, what the story is about. So as I, as you said, it's an illustrated tale of a woman's search for love in Paris. And it's very sex in the city. It's a little, you know, very glamorous, beautiful outfits and drawings of the city. And it has this deeper message about finding self-love. And yeah, it's really been my passion and what I feel like is actually my purpose in life, if you will, to accompany women on this journey through dating and learning to value and cherish themselves in the process. Again, this virtual world we're living in, swiping for Prince Charming is a relevant theme now more than ever. But what really made you decide to write this illustrated story? And then what's the process that goes in behind that? There was a lot that happened before this could come to light, I have to say. But the story itself and the text itself came to me in this moment of sort of like divine inspiration when I was supposed to see this ex-boyfriend of mine that I was totally in love with and I hadn't seen in months and the I was so anxiously awaiting this day and stressing out like crazy that the morning of I literally woke up with a fever I made myself sick (laughs) and so I was journaling just writing out about all my frustrations about life and dating and men And the text came out all of a sudden in this very poetic manner. And I just kept writing and writing and writing until I got to the end. And it was literally the entire text of this book. So that was how the text itself came out. And I immediately knew when I looked at this, like, oh, my God, I have to transform this into an illustrated tale because I know that it will resonate with so many other women and make them feel like it's this very fun, uplifting way to smile and just find pleasure in this process and sort of like a pick me up, you know, I'm not the illustrator, I needed to find someone. So for that, it was this crazy process of reaching out to everyone I knew. And it ended up being a friend of a friend of a friend. So she goes by Marikilia for her graphic design work and her illustrations like this. She's French from Paris based in Hong Kong, though. So we never even met until literally well after the book came out. And then where is this book available So today? it is at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Target in the U.S. And then it's available internationally as well. And then Sabrina, every episode we end with talking about pet peeves relative to the subject we've been talking about. So today, pet peeves about maybe starting a creative agency, working in the creative world, whatever you may have, I would love to hear some <laughs> of your pet peeves. So for me... Personally, being a creative person, I hate anything with an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) And especially setting up a company itself is not simple. So finding the right lawyers, getting the right paperwork, tending to all of that, and then every year, you know, having to maintain it, it's... That's the less glamorous part, let's just say. Yeah, that makes me (laughs) sick. (laughs) So that's the biggest thing for me. And then I think you have to accept that, you know, if you're working like I do, you're going to be on call essentially 
at any moment. So technically, I haven't been on a vacation in the last five years. I put that in quotes because I can work from anywhere. I like that, though. I like something that is really fast paced, always changing, higher pressure, because otherwise I get really bored. Like you said, you're responsible for the outcome your business has. And that's a really good feeling. Um, but it also puts a lot of pressure on sometimes. So thank you so much for coming on. This was really great. And I can't thank wait for you. everyone It's to really hear. been fun talking to you. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon thank in you. Paris. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.